Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the Convergence podcast. This is going to be episode 45 with concept artist and 3D artist Mike Yakovlev. We spoke about Mike's journey as a freelance artist and the various lessons he has learned while working with the music industry. We also spoke about his process of creating the CGI music video for Pilot's amazing synthwave track The Return, which will also be in the show notes below, so be sure to watch that video to get better context about the process. I also had a chance to talk to Pilot on the podcast earlier, so definitely check that episode out as well to get further insights and the methodology about creating the music for that particular music video. And with that said, I hope you get a lot of value from this episode. So let's go. Thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, I know we've been chatting back and forth for a while on Instagram, so it's good to finally have a proper conversation instead of just exchanging messages. Yes. Do do I need to like introduce myself or? Nah, that's fine. Let's just talk. I, I'll take care of the introduction okay. later on. Um, All right, cool, man. I, I I came across your work when I was talking to Pilot. He is the one who introduced me to your work first through the mm. music video, and of course that the return music video was an absolute. like really really well done piece of work and yeah i mean i think it's been appreciated by a lot of people all over the board so congratulations on that video first of all it really looks good um yeah i i i keep coming back and checking to see it's pretty close to a million views and that's just going to be absolutely insane when it hits a million it will eventually i'm sure but like to think that I don't know some like it's like I don't want to like toot my own horn but like to think that I did that all like pretty much by myself no like extra artists or animators mm-hmm. helped me or nothing and uh it was all in blender I don't know it's just cool uh, I'm I'm really proud of it and I'm proud of like what we were end up what we were able to end up with and it's one of those things like you know how like video game designers and just people who make you made like a film you know what it's like you know inside the film like how many corners you kind of had to cut how many shit i mean the little things you had to like fudge you know all this kind of stuff and like oh they're not even noticing this but over here is like some weird ass rig that like doesn't work and stuff like yeah weird textures over here that that doesn't make any sense like nobody knows this it was it was a lot of that too a lot of like figuring stuff out and like oh, okay well we're going to have to use this scene because we have no other like choice and stuff but yeah man, i i learned so much and what sucks is that like I mean, you use Blender, right? Yeah, I did. You know, like Blender is always getting better. And when we were using it at the time, I would send Pilot like, "Here's a test, like here's a test scene with like fog or something, or here's like motion blur." And I would have to do the motion blur in cycles at the time because mm-hmm. I didn't have it in Eevee. And literally, like a lot of the, a lot of the process was really frustrating because. I really wanted to get I would get like a 3 second shot in cycles and it would look amazing with motion blur and everything and it would just look beautiful and then I would realize like okay well if I want to render like a 10 second version of this I need to either use a render farm or something or do it in Eevee but at the time Eevee only had camera motion blur where like only when the camera is moving you get blur but if the object r- runs past a stationary camera there's no motion blur it's weird or something like that mm-hmm. and um literally as we finish the video like we're done it's on youtube or it's about to be published on youtube blender like announces a new version with like ev motion blur I'm like motherfucker <laughs> uh, yeah. so yeah it was it, the, I, I specifically remember that happening because it was 
it was like the worst to find that out like no i wish i had this earlier and yeah i definitely yeah. want to go deeper into the process of developing the uh, the music video as well as how you actually you know ended up working with pilot but just before that i want to just talk about your work in general because when i look at the body of work that you have right now i almost look at it like a combination of various things there's like a lot of 3d experimentation there's this music video i'm sure you're working on more there's like illustrations sketches so i can't really pinpoint what exactly you want to do or maybe you want to try out a lot of things you know yeah um neither can i <laughs> i can't i i i always look at like your work or like somebody else's work like you know like ash thor for like my chicken chat or like all these amazing artists and or even like we we're talking about feng zoo like mm-hmm. these guys all have like a pretty consistent style and they're always making like similar things and they're always amazing and i think i've just recently accepted like i'm just never going to be able to do that like i can't do that mm-hmm. i can do that for a little bit i can create like a series of things and they look similar but i can't stick to one thing for too long and then when i never really switch like to a new technique or to a new program or whatever it'll look different um i still have like my comfortable like compositions and little like themes and stuff that i go to mm-hmm. but um yeah i mean i i like that part of it i like the part of art where is kind of asked to make something you've never is that more before. due to the fact that you might end up getting bored with a certain subject matter really quickly uh, or is it more that you want to just keep experimenting all the time i think it's more of the first part and i have gotten bored of stuff mm-hmm. like for a while i was making a lot like you look at my uh you look at my work and for a while i was making a lot of like synthwave cyberpunk cityscapes and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like i can't blame the people that want that for their cover artwork like there's a lot of synthwave artists and there's a lot of like new indie artists always coming out and everyone's always wants kind of like a similar thing and they're going for a similar vibe like this blade runner thing and then at the so i found myself doing a lot of those covers and then the more i would do the more people would see the more new people would show up and like hey do the same thing you did for pilot but for me and then uh also i was doing a lot of that stuff on my own like just m- messing around and absorbing all of this like cyberpunk type stuff and i did find myself on like i don't know the the eighth cover that i was doing that was like the same color theme the same color palette the same like i was using the same textures i was using the same process and i was like oh man this is becoming like so automatic that it's I, there's no room to like try something weird or like i would try something weird out with client would be like yeah just do whatever you want and i'm like cool like i'm going to i don't know make the make the camera instead of being on a rooftop or like on the city street i'm going to make it like from inside an apartment like looking out into the city or something different i would try to always change it up a little bit mm-hmm. and if i would they'd be like well can we just like have a dude like in a car like on the street and i'm like ah, all right like okay i guess we could do that one so yeah i i think i do get bored with like doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. yeah that's fair i mean definitely that that look of cyberpunk synthwave has become so familiar at this point that unless you really really love that aesthetic you want to definitely keep experimenting and i mean the recent cover that you released for bishu i believe was completely yeah, yeah. a different taste i mean it was like such a bright almost studio ghibli esque yeah to it um, yeah how, I, how do you end up doing that one so i've done like i've tried making that uh artwork in that style before but i it would always 
I, I'd kind of not succeed or at least like not, it wouldn't turn out as well as I'd hope it to kind of turn out. Mm -hmm. But with that one, I think I got lucky, honestly. And, and again, this is like, um, kind of like how those sausages made, like, but, um, you know, like as an artist, like sometimes if like, you know, if, if you don't really make everything in the artwork, sometimes you're just kind of like assembling stuff like other artists have made that like packs and stuff you bought and all these kind of things, especially with 3D art. You're mm -hmm. like, oh, like somebody made a card. I'm going to use that card. I'm going to buy it. Uh, and that, that was a kind of a similar process with this one was like, I was looking on Blender, like, how do I make like animate grass? Like, I'm sure that's a thing. And then there was like a tutorial and I was like, cool, I'm going to follow this guy's tutorial, like yada, yada. I did it and it like looked okay. But then like, uh, he was like, or you can just buy my like project file that I like, I made this already. I was like, oh, I'll just buy it. Like, and then I emailed him, I was like, hey, can I use this in like commercial work? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's what it's for. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, I, instead of just making the tutorial myself, yada, yada, I was like, this is going to be way faster. So I downloaded like the grass pack and then everything else in the tutorial, he explained like, yeah, you just, you know, put like clouds for cards. And I've done that in other ways where like you're putting leaves on a tree, you're using like cards instead of actual leaves and stuff. Um, so I, I was familiar with the technique and then I was like, oh, this is like, this is like, this is like half the, pro half, half the project's already done, like through this guy's like, amazing tutorial. So then I, I just kind of did that and then it was put together and I was like, okay, well, I mean, this feels done. And then I added like some of my own elements in there. I, uh, in Blender, you can like bring a photo in. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to get to, I don't know how technical we, we can get on here. No, I mean, feel free to talk about what, whichever aspect you want to talk about. But like, you know, if you bring a photo into Blender, like in a shader editor and you plug it into like the color for the principal BSDF, in between those two connections, you put a color ramp mm -hmm. and it just changes the colors of the photo. It's like black and white. Right. And then if you make it constant and then you can just add your own colors into it. So you can change a photo from of a bush that's like all these gradients and it's like a photorealistic photo to something that's more like an anime, like kind of a, a shader. And that's what I did. I brought in some photos of like uh, bushes and trees and all these other things and flowers and stuff. So I, and then I would just like move the sliders around to make it look like anime. And then at that point, honestly, it was done. I put in this, I, I went into Photoshop, sketched like a little dude, uh, brought it into Blender and so I get images as planes thing. And then I sent it to them and they're like, uh, yeah, like looks done. Like, yeah, it pretty much is. So they're just like, can you just like, you know, swap in this, swap in that. And like, it was done, but it was cool making it in Blender more for me because I was able to kind of like fly the camera through the grassy field and all this kind of stuff. And like, um, you know, they, Monster Cat animates their album covers like in their own way. They have a process for it. But for me, it was really fun making it a blender where it's like this 2D image. And then, like, specifically, like that one post I made on Instagram where like the camera is flying around it. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God. Like, yeah, it, it, it's like a visualization of kind of like how 2D art is made and layers and everything. So I don't know. I just thought it was really fun. And there's a great opportunity to kind of like, do something that I would traditionally do in Photoshop, but in Blender. And that's kind of like the kick I've been on recently where I'm just trying to figure out how I can do everything that I normally would do like in After Effects or Photoshop and do it in Blender. Do you, do you ever feel locked into that because you have to, let's say, finalize the camera angle before you can actually start the projection process because you obviously can't move around too much after that. Do you feel like you run into situations where you wish you had more flexibility later on? Well, I mean, that one wasn't really projection. I mean, it was just like bringing everything as, an, uh, as a plane. Okay. So it's just images as planes for everything except for the grass. Um, 
so then I was able to move the camera around. I was able to move all like the like the cards and stuff, the clouds. I was able to move them back and forth to the I camera. I, so, yeah, I was I was totally not really locked in. The only thing we were locked in is like once you brought in the uh, asset, it's like it looks how it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with that, I just with that one, it wasn't it wasn't too difficult. But what was your question again? I, I feel like I answered half of your question. Now, I mean, I was just curious because when you go into this technique of like using 2D planes within a 3D software, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. obviously need to look at the camera angle in a particular direction. Otherwise, the illusion breaks because it's not a 3D object in real. So do yeah. you run into situations where you feel like you don't have as much flexibility as you would have if you had actually constructed the whole scene in 3D? I mean, I think in another scenario I would have, but with this cover, it was just a plane and clouds. Mm-hmm. There's like no way you can screw that up because it's just like, it's just the ground and then sky. Like you can circle around that 360 and it's always going to look the same. Yeah. But yeah, so that one, not so much. I mean, that the, the most I'd probably spent was like, there was this flower scatter uh, attribute to like the plane. And I was just ran like clicking random C to get like different scatters of flowers. I spent probably a good amount of time just doing that. Like I'm trying to get the flowers to be like near the camera, but not like overlap the character. I think I spent way too much time like finagling the composition or like wiggling the camera around so that there's no weird like tangents and like mm-hmm. things overlapping in an awkward way. Like I don't want that corner hitting that corner in a weird way. And yeah, I, I mean, sometimes I do that. I'm like, am I, is anyone even good? notice is anyone even going to care for like that this angle like in reality in real life you take a picture of something something at some point is going to have a weird tangent or something at some point and it's fine like no one says anything but when you're making artwork you spend like way too much time like tweaking little things that in reality like they might actually look weird and look awkward like that but you're like I but I can't make it look weird and awkward, like on purpose, because people are going to notice it. And they're going to be like, why does that one thing look weird? Yeah, that's a good observation, because I mean, that's that's quite similar to what you were talking about earlier, where in animations, you can kind of get away with cutting a few corners because yeah. it's moving quickly. Whereas in a still image, you do need to finesse yeah. those things. Um, just talking about your art in general, how long have you been working professionally for at this point? Uh, so this is, this is a cool question because I was in, I was in college and like, I don't know when to necessarily start counting my professional career, Mm -hmm. but I would start counting it from when I started getting paid for making artwork. Like when somebody was like, I will pay you to make artwork. And that probably started like, I don't know, over like, like just around 10 years ago, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I was I was still in school. I was in college, and I remember I remember really being into like Noah Bradley at the time. Do you know him? Yeah, he's like a Magic the Gathering artist. And at, I think at that time he had released a lot of the, a lot of this like content that was like don't go to art school or all this kind of stuff. Like it was kind of like I guess controversial at the time. I don't remember, but I remember watching one of his. He had this talk that he did at some college, I think, and he said like when. Uh, he said something that like resonated with me. I think it was like, he wanted to make sure he got art. He, he wanted to make sure he was freelancing before, before he got out of art school. Like he was going to art school to learn art. And, you know, there's like teachers that can help you get work. And it's kind of like, whatever, like throwaway work. But 
he was like, I wanted to start freelancing before I finished college. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a pretty good goal. And like, if you can get work on your own without like the help of your teachers or professors or whatever, like if you can do that, even if it's like a $50 gig, that's like, I feel like a good sign that, you know, you kind of know, you, you kind of, I think you might know like what to do and how to do it. So I remember that was, I, my first gig was like some $50 gig. And I remember it was like some dude's pro- Facebook profile picture. And he was like a music artist. He was like, hey, can you just make me a zombie in my profile picture? I was like, sure. And uh, I was like, is 50 good? And I remember his response being like, that's lower than I expected. That's <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, okay. Like that was my first experience of like, oh, undercharging and like how that feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, after that, I think that's actually when I met um, Tim, who's, who's pilot. And he, because I think he reached out to me I'd done some like, you know, side work here and there for like album art for like YouTubers and stuff like that. And it would always, I don't, early on, you're always putting in, you're always underselling yourself. I think you're always putting in way too much out, way too many hours, way too much effort into like an image that you're not getting paid enough for. Um, But I think it was like my senior year of college, my junior year of college or something. um, I did the cover for televisor for Monster Cat, which is like, which Tim was in at the time, but I think that's how we linked up mm-hmm. because he liked the work I did. And it was like cyberpunk. It was like, I was applying every technique I knew, like all the things you stuff I learned, like photo bashing everything. And I look back at the cover now and I'm like, you, you know how you look back at old work and it like tells you, like, it's like a snapshot of like a snap shot of where you were at that time and what you were thinking and what you cared about and yeah. what you were like techniques were for making art and you're like oh yeah I used to do that uh it's awful like oh yeah I used to do it like that too oh, there's so many better ways to do that now and like I would look at that old cover and think of that but yeah that's what linked me uh me and Tim uh pilot together and then I think he just remembered me and eventually when he started pilot he's just like hey man like starting this new project like I think you'd be perfect and that's just kind of how it ended up working out yeah well it's it's amazing how like these chance connections can really last quite a long time as you start developing your own skill and how the other person also is you know growing in their own field you don't just just know where your friends or connections might end up doing and it might be a great yeah man i think that's for me that's been super important like i you know i i think and i think you're similar because like when i saw your animation it was like very like um like inspiring and emotional kind of in a weird way you know it had a lot of emotion behind it like I watched it and like it was like the audio and the visuals together it was like and the composition and just the way the way it was moving and you're like yeah I feel this like I feel something even though there's not like words and there's not like a ton of stuff going on there's not like character dialogue and plot it's like I feel something and that to me has always been really important in artwork and like um that's I, I think that's been a pro that's been my approach that has helped me a lot with getting work getting to where I am because when an artist reaches out like a, a music artist and they're like hey I just need you to make an album cover I know that they're making music <clears throat> based off of something like when they made this song that I'm making a cover for they thought of something that had some story some emotion that it was based off of like it doesn't just come from nothing mm-hmm. so I always try to tap into that. I'm like, so what was, what's the, they're like, yeah, just make it some dude on the street. I don't care. I'm like, well, what inspired you to make this song? Like, what's the story here? Like what, 
what do you want the audience to feel when they listen to the song? And they're like, okay. So like, it's kind of based on like a relationship or something. All right. I'm like, okay, cool. So then I make the cover artwork instead of just a guy standing in the street. Maybe it's a guy, a girl standing in the street. And that tell, that makes you feel totally different when you see that artwork. And so that's like a simplified version of essentially what I do. But I always try to bring in like a narrative element into it. Even if there isn't one, mm -hmm. sometimes they'll say like, there's no story. I'm like, well, let's make one up like right now. Like, let's make one up right now. You made the song, you've, you've made songs in the past. Like, let's make a story up based on this song right now. Like a quick one. Like, what if it's this? What if it's that? What if it's like a breakup? Or what if it's like, I don't know, somebody trying to get back together? Or what if it's like somebody being alone or whatever? Like, let's just make something up quick. And then they're like, they, they buy into it so fast. They're like, all right, sweet. Yeah, we can make something up right now. Hell yeah. And then that, <clears throat> that kind of like narrative helps me make a better image. And I think like my goal is, for like somebody to be listening to the song and then to look at the artwork and kind of like feel the same thing or to feel more like to hear the song and like not really feel nothing maybe and then see the artwork and be like oh this gives context to the song or vice versa you know like the like with pilot the song is setting the song is like obviously the music is primary in in his project but and the artwork is like what accompanying it. it's mm -hmm. it's kind of like fleshing out the scene a little bit more the story but also you look at the artwork and you hear the music and it's like almost background music to the artwork and i think that's why it works so well do you think a lot of musicians in general have that idea of narrative and storytelling within their music as a larger brand because pilot in particular seems to be quite keen in developing the overall look around the project as well whereas some artists may be just focused on the music primarily. So how do you have these conversations? Do you think some musicians might be a bit more resistant to develop a particular look over time? Uh, yeah, honestly, I found that in my experience. I found that in my experience, if an artist like a producer doesn't have a story, mm -hmm. they're more okay with you coming up with a story like in that moment. They're like, yeah, that's, you know what? I'm not against it. Like, that sounds cool. Like, I don't really have a story, but... I'll allow it this time because it's like helping. It's like an addition. It's 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 like expanding whatever I have here, whatever brand I have. It's expanding upon it. So we they already have a brand. They have some kind of lifestyle, mm -hmm. even if it's not like a narrative based one, just like a personality. And we can kind of expand upon that, like a, like make that a cinematic universe or whatever. Uh, so that's always fun, and they're always down for that. But I've also found when an artist, like it would be a, a super small indie artist or somebody who like doesn't have a narrative, doesn't have a story. I'm like, and I just suggest it. They're like, I want that. They say like, I want a story. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, dude, make one. Like, you know, I'm like, what's the story here? It's like, you know, they're like, I don't, I don't, there isn't one, but I, I would like there to be a story. Do you have an idea? I'm like, yeah, man, like I have an idea. I mean, I listen to your song. I close my eyes and I, I feel something. So I just make a story based off of what I feel. And then they're like, okay, cool. Like, so I, I feel like when I work with artists, I end up giving them free consultations about like how to make a good story and stuff. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, um, from when you were a student up until now, did you feel like you were already asking those kind of questions back then, maybe with your classmates and your peers? Or is it something that was trained over time that you came to this point? I don't know. I think, I think it's something that was always like in me. Um, I just... I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm just sensitive to like emotional things, mm -hmm. but like, if you, like, for example, I'll hear if you, anytime I hear a crowd singing, I get goosebumps. I see. 
like you hear a massive crowd like singing to a band or like just chanting something like you kind of get goosebumps I don't know what it is it's like inspirational so yeah I, I just I think I'm just like naturally more sensitive to that or something but like I listen music affects me the same way I love music and if I'm in a bad mood I'll like listen to my favorite song or whatever and then I just feel better mm-hmm. like I'm smiling in the car driving I'm like all right this is okay like we're gonna be all right like this is it's not so bad and whatever listen, whatever song you're listening to, like yeah this is my fucking song I love this I'm jamming like I'm feeling good now you instantly feel better and I I think I think because my outlet is art, I just naturally, anything I listen to or watch or consume, like I talk conversation, uh, a piece of film, like uh, a song, if it, if it inspires any kind of emotion in me, the only way, like if I close my eyes, the only way I can express that or the only way I can see that and visualize it in my head is through some type of like visual, mm-hmm. you know, creation. So I have like, I, I don't know. I think I think I just always. And I've, I've made work in the past, too, that didn't have a story. And like, it's not like it's impossible for me to do that. It just it just feels like not exciting to work on it. You know, when I'm making artwork that has a narrative, I feel like I'm kind of creating that moment. Like I'm I'm it's kind of like it's kind of like that moment already exists. I'm just like filling in the lines. You know, what I mean? I'm just filling in. I'm just it's like a paint by numbers by that point. It's like this moment is here. Mm-hmm. So then that's kind of like the structure for what you build upon it. And it's, it makes it a lot more fun, a lot more easier. Like what colors that I, that, I think that's when it, when your artistic skill and your knowledge about art and color theory and stuff comes into play. Cause you're like, how do I use colors to symbolize like sadness or how do I capture like happiness with colors? And then you're like, Oh yeah, these kind of colors make people generally feel happy or like, how do I make something feel epic? It's like, oh yeah, cyan and orange or whatever. <laughs> and like those kind of color schemes or how do I make something feel like somber, like maybe like purples and stuff like that. And I just, I really enjoy, yeah, I just really enjoy the feeling that I feel like in my chest emotionally from whatever I'm consuming and then turning that into art and then trying to match that. Like as I'm making the artwork, I'm like, yeah, this I'm still feeling that feeling. And it's kind of a I feel like it's kind of a superpower because if I start getting away from it, mm-hmm. like if the artwork goes in a different direction and I look at it later, I'm like, I'm not feeling that emotion anymore. Like what's going on? Like what's missing? Or like what do I need to subtract or add to get back to that place? Well, you seem to have like a very deep connection with what you do because I come across some artists who are really prolific, but they also maintain a certain level of detachment with the work, which allows them to move on from a piece if it's not working well. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I mean, do you find yourself getting stuck in these loops where you're so unsatisfied with the work? Yeah. And also I can get married to stuff really Mm -hmm. quickly. Like people say, don't get married to your sketches. Don't get married to this idea. And I do. And like, I, I'm sorry, but I, I, I will. And, uh, on one hand it's kind of like a double-edged sword like on one hand it can make if it rings if it if it hits the way that it hits you with the audience it's going to be like it's going to the audience is going to love it Mm -hmm. but if it misses and it hits with you and it misses with the client or the audience it's like you're thinking like why don't they get this like well why are they feeling like what i'm feeling like god damn it like everyone's weird I'm, i'm not the weird one but it does it does it it is like kind of like I said like a double-edged sword because for me I'll I'll put an idea down and then I'm like 
convincing the client like why we should move forward with this one instead of like something else and sometimes you know they're like no we have to do this or we have to be this way I'm like okay fine and then it's not like i'm inflexible but uh there have been moments that i can think of where i'll send a client something because i'm like this is the first thing that comes to my mind i think this is it and then they're like nah i'm not really feeling it or i'm not getting it or whatever and i'm just like all right well i guess i, I guess now we go the meticulous like slow route of doing it like just doing it like a um, like objectively and not like just doing it quickly subjectively but so yeah that 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 kind of that way of working has gotten in my way but i think in general like it's created a lot more like personal satisfaction doing it the way i do it and it's created a lot more like compelling images especially with album artwork like i feel like with album artwork when I was making it and like all, and still to this day, you don't really see a lot of like narrative based album artwork. You see sometimes like a photo of the dude standing on like a white background, like that's it. Like, I don't know if you listen to electronic music or like trance or anything like that. Like there'll be like Armin Van Buren, like one of the biggest trance mm -hmm. DJs in the world. A lot of his album covers and stuff are just him like with his arms out or something, or like just him with like a white t-shirt on like a white background. And I'm like, Art, dude, your music is so emotional and inspirational. Like the artwork just makes absolutely no sense. I think it's just a photo. I mean, in someone like Armin's case, the personality is so big that that's all that is needed to sell that that's album. That's true. So, I mean, if you look you at pe right. people like even Tiesto or Swedish House Mafia when they were still active, mm -hmm. just the people themselves are enough to, you know, attract the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, you no, know, you're right, actually, because if you're super well known, you don't really need like basic, you don't need like any marketing, like mm -hmm. people know who you are, they, you're, they're just like, yeah, you are who you are, we know, we know what we're getting. But I guess, I guess when you're working with smaller artists, mm -hmm. uh, or artists that are trying to stand out, you want to create an image that's like striking, but also like, a, a, it, it works as a standalone image like as a standalone image you can look at that and be like, and you can appreciate it it's not just like a logo True. um or like one of the things i see very very common in, in album art is like a photo of like misty mountains with like with like a circle cut out of it and then it's like reversed mm -hmm. inside the circle yeah. or something like you'll see that a lot and it's like okay like i don't know what that is but i don't really feel anything like maybe you feel something when you look at over like a vast forest with like you know with with mist but i don't know like i'm like just like this song it sounds awesome and i feel so many things when i listen to the song and that the album art makes like no sense it looks like a stock photo and so i've when i was starting out i would reach out to artists and be like hey you deserve like better album art like let me make it for you and then you know sometimes they'll say like all right like what do you got and uh and then sometimes they'll be like no we're good we like what we're doing I'm like okay fair enough you do you yeah i think there is this aspect of trends i mean that i that aspect of cutting out a circle and flipping it i've seen yeah. that quite often i think it comes down to trends like i mean within artists we see people let's say following the cyberpunk trope and then you have like so many people emulating the same look so i guess it's just similar to that um yeah yeah i was just curious i mean what were some of your early influences that actually brought you into the creative industry to begin with was Ooh. it something like a movie or just music how was it like? Oh man, I love this. I love this because it gets a nerd out about like my favorite artists and inspirations. So I think early on it was FZD. Like I found his his stuff on uh, YouTube. And 
I was, I was, I remember watching FZD a lot and it was before I even started digital painting. I was just watching him like, what is he doing? I don't understand what he's doing. I'm like, I didn't know you could do that. And the one kid in my college who had a Wacom tablet, it was like this giant, like 24 inch, like gray Wacom tablet. It was massive. It had like seven cables and it was like absolutely heavy and it had like this, like he had this carry case for it. It was huge. It was like a giant briefcase for a Wacom tablet. Like that's, I guess I'm like dating myself now, but like that's the way Wacom tablets look. And I didn't, and he had one, nobody else had one. And uh, eventually I bought like a little bamboo Wacom tablet that I think everyone has. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to, how to digitally paint, but Feng Zhu was the one that I learned how to digitally paint through. And I remember making a digital painting of some floaty rocks and I was having the hardest time with it. I was just like, why is it dark? Why is it getting darker? Like all my colors were mixing like poorly and it just looked absolutely awful and I felt so discouraged but uh I was just so inspired by like what he was making mm-hmm. so Feng Zhu was definitely like what got me into digital art and then through him I think I found out about like other concept artists that work like uh, in film and video games and then like specific I think I don't know I don't remember the, the order but definitely got into Maciej Kuchata and that kind of like and Shadi Safadi and like all those guys like Eitan Zana and stuff and then through my uh through Mache I found like Ash Thorpe and I feel like Ash it kind of came at a time when I was like a little bit more mature in my artwork because his art feels very mature mm-hmm. um it's like yeah like it just feels that way to me but I was really heavy into Mache Kuchara and I think I got into like John Liberto from like uh, he does all like the Halo artwork and like Sparth and all those guys. I got I got heavy into John Liberto. Like I I think he's still one of my favorite artists. And I because he's able to he's kind of like Craig Mullins in the way he paints because it's a very messy, but it still makes like total sense. Like you look at it, you're like that looks real. Like how does that look real? And then you zoom in and it's just like a clusterfuck of stuff. <laughs> um, That's that control of shapes and brushes, right? When you know what to make it, what's the required yeah. shape to make it look believable. Yeah. And like, when I do that, I, I feel like I'm faking it. And I wonder like, are they faking it too? Like how the, like, is, do they just have a different eye for like chaos than I do? Like, are they able to just see, like I, Craig Mullins had a Patreon at one point and I found his Patreon and like, luckily he hadn't removed like the content off of it yet. I don't know if it's up anymore, but like, I found it and like I signed up instantly. I just paid like whatever money it was. And then I just downloaded like as much as I could from there. And he had this one sketch of like some stormtroopers like standing next to some kind of like thing. Um, and it was so messy and it was a PSD file and you could zoom in on it. It was like, I don't know, like 10,000 pixels or something crazy. And you zoom way in and it's just like chaos. It's like other photos in the background. Like you don't know what it is but he's such a wizard that like he was able to make sense of that and if you watched if you've ever watched Nika's talks or anything about how he makes artwork he's like yeah I was using Photoshop with the mouse for the longest time I'm like what the fuck and he was making all this amazing artwork he's like yeah I just I, I practically push Photoshop it's absolutely good every time I use it and I was just using weird I bring in a photo flip it over cut something out like now that's a door and it's like what okay but yeah man I I I'm like right now I'm, I'm just, I'm into Ash Thor, Maciej Kuchata. And then like, those are my top two. I just kind of go back between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, 
there's 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 like Corey Hubble, like all these other like concept artists from games that I grew up playing, mm-hmm. and John Lamberto, and like I, I those are like kind of the ones that just I look at. I don't I'm not looking for artists anymore as much as I was at, at one point, but I do have my favorites. You know, Beeple's great, like especially like more into like 3D stuff. Beeple, like um, I think Paul Chedison, I think his name he did like he's been doing all these like spaceships. The spaceships, yeah. I mean, Paul is a master of scale. His ability to capture yeah. scale is absolutely brilliant. He did artwork for some game. I forgot what it was called. It was like a game where you're like flying around. Um, I think that was Strike Vector. Yes, he did. When I saw his artwork for that, I think that's when. I'm not sure if this, if he would, he probably, I don't know him, but I feel like that's when he started experimenting with scale and because he did a lot of artwork for Remember Me, which is like some game that nobody remembers, ironically enough. <laughs> it was like an Xbox game or something. It was Cyberpunk. It was, if you look up Cyberpunk on Google, like you'll probably find the artwork for it. It was like so iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I even got the artwork for it or something like that. And I never played the game, but the artwork for it was absolutely like inspiring and I'm sure I sent him DMs like telling him how awesome it is, and I'm sure he there's stuck in his like requests folder on IG. But yeah, he he was like a massive inspiration. Like he he was what unlocked like I think Cyberpunk for me, and I just started trying to make artwork like him at that time. Were there like other movies or games that you were actively consuming as a student that kind of shape what your aesthetic and taste would eventually go on to be? Mm. I'm trying to think because like I feel like I'm still being impacted by movies and games Mm -hmm. like there was never like a turning point so I was just you know I'd watch Interstellar I'd watch Inception when it came out and those I mean if you want to talk about like being emotionally impacted like Christopher Nolan and like Hans Zimmer like they know how to do that Mm -hmm. with their craft and it's like is super impactful like I bet everyone cried in that interstellar scene where he's like watching his family and stuff. Like you just, the music, everything is, it's just like, yeah, it just, it just, it just hits you like that. But I, I think it was a lot of the stuff that everyone else was probably consuming at the time, like Blade Runner when that came out, like the, the new one, like when that came out, obviously like I was, I was in love with it. I watched the old one and you watch the old one and it's the same thing. It's like the music captures the vibe and so does like the visuals. It's like, something about the music sounds dreamy and sounds very like foggy and then you look and it's like this guy walking on the street and there's like smoke and fog everywhere you're like yes like this is it they're they're, like speaking to each other and you feel that but i i think i consumed like you know culturally the same content that everyone else consumed the only thing is i went out of my way to look for concept art for stuff that for games and i see I had this blog where I was just going on Google. Like you could do this thing on Google where you could search images by like a certain resolution. So I would just look for like concept art for games at like the absolute highest resolution. I don't know why I was like obsessed with that. And I'd find all these like obscure games that like weren't even out yet. Or like, it would just be like preview or like some concept artists like uploaded. It ended up on Google somehow by accident. I'm like, how did this end up here? Like. I found like the Destiny poster, like the promotional poster they were releasing. I found like the PSD file for it. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, but it wasn't layered. It wasn't layered. It was just like, you could see where the gu- guidelines were for when they, where they cut the poster, but there was like a little bit more to the sides. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And it was massive. And 
I don't know who did it, Jamie Jones or something like that, but it was, it was cool. And, it, you know, it, I had this obsession with like finding high quality artwork and zooming in on it and looking at it and just being like, oh, and like, oh, look how they did that. It actually doesn't make any sense how that looks, but from a distance, it makes sense. And I, I would find like, I think John Liberto's artwork and like his artwork is super fun to zoom in on as we talked about. And it would be like these like super massive files. And I was just like obsessed with that stuff. It's interesting. I mean, we always tend to get stuck in these details and going really deep into a particular painting. And then oftentimes you need to remind yourself to zoom out and look at the whole picture as a collective whole. And that's such an important aspect. Yeah. Um, and just, I mean, talking about your, I mean, your fascination with Ash Thorpe's work, you were also on his podcast quite early <laughs> yeah. on as a student. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, how did that actually end up happening? Yeah, that was also in college. I think in college is when I was just like at like peak degeneracy. Cause like <laughs> I was just reaching out to everyone. Like I had, I was just like, yes, I, I love your work. And like, they wouldn't see it. Or I, I was just like looking, I was, I was just the most, I guess, creatively hungry for stuff. I was always looking for stuff, grabbing stuff, taking stuff here and there, like looking at it, examining it. And I admit, like, it, was, it was like, who, who is this for? Like, this is for nobody but myself. I was just like, feeding like the hunger of art and I was listening to podcasts and I was listening to um Ash Thorpe's podcast and at the time I think it was like the only art kind of focused podcast or at least like in that in that level of like depth like it was that other people would talk about art like as a career but they weren't really talking about like art like yo what program do you use all this kind of stuff and I really liked this podcast and what I what I, but what I found as an artist and I still feel that this honestly like there's they weren't talking they were I, I was noticing he'd get like Mache and all these people on there and they'd always talk about inevitably about um you know art career and art path and then but they're professionals you know they've already worked on movies and stuff and so they're kind of talking about it from like on top of the mountain or whatever mm -hmm. and then talking about like what's it like at the bottom of the mountain and but they never talked to somebody who's like actually at the bottom of the mountain they never they, they would just talk about like oh yeah i think artists are doing this or they should be doing that and it's like yeah it makes sense that's good advice but like wouldn't it be like an interesting insight to talk to somebody actually in school right now for art and like what do they expect to get out of it and what what's it like for them and that's kind of like where i was coming from i'm like yo ash i just emailed them like hey man it would be awesome to have like an artist a student on there i think it'd be a good perspective and i was kind of thinking more for him like this content could be interesting to another like student out there who also is like, I don't know what to do. And then I'm on there like, I also don't know what to do. <laughs> and then that feel like that would make other artists or students feel a little bit like less alone uh, when you're going to art school. Because like I said earlier, like when you're looking at art YouTube tutorials, you're like, I feel like I'm the only one doing this. I feel like everyone already has knows this. I'm the last guy like looking at YouTube tutorials for like how to do this one thing. I don't know, but I, I've always kind of felt that I'm like catching up and I thought that would, that would have, that would have been a good opportunity. And luckily he responded and reached back and he's like, yeah, man, I'd love to have you on. And then like, I think as soon as he responded and said like, yeah, let's do it from then on, from then all the way until like literally after we stopped recording, I was just like shaking because I was so nervous. Uh, and then when we did the podcast, I was I was just like in awe that like 
it was even happening. I remember I was in college. I had to find like this little recording booth where I could hide. And um, I just did it on my laptop mm-hmm. uh, or Skype or something like that. And he showed me, um, he showed me artwork for Lost Boy. Because remember, he did all that Lost Boy stuff. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm working on this new thing. I'll show, I'll show you a sneak peek. I was like, ooh, this is cool. And he showed me these sick ass drawings. I was like, damn, dude, this is sick. And then he made like the like Lost Boy like animation and everything. I was like, man, that's that's insane. But yeah, that podcast was fun, and I had a. It was just getting to meet like, getting to meet like a hero, even if he does not remember me, and he's done like a hundred episodes since then, and. But it was just one of those. So I, don't, I don't know if it did a lot for me besides like just re re light like the fire yeah. for the passion for art, the passion to like it made it it made it seem wherever he was like it made it seem like attainable because he's talking to me. He's like acknowledging my existence and stuff. So I'm like, oh, I'm in the same universe as he is. I'm in the same world as he is. He's talking to me. That's like a connection there. But also it just re- reignited the like the, the the passion to keep going that's such a yeah. that's such a good point i mean I, I also try to remind myself this point all the time like it'll take you just a f- about 5 to 10 minutes to reply back to a student but that can really help them out quite a lot so always do yeah. that i think that's quite important especially as you start yeah. gaining more experience some of these things like you said earlier they seem obvious or they just become not so important over time some of the basics yeah. that allowed you to get to where you are but it's important to share that knowledge with people who are now starting to come up to the industry yeah man yeah and i think that was kind of the that's why i like listening to ash's podcast because they and especially Mache, like Mache ended up having his own podcast called art cafe mm-hmm. and he was i love him because he's kind of it's it's a weird comparison but he's kind of like the t-pain of like the art industry so like right now i don't know if you know who t-pain is i mean only by name i'm not too familiar <laughs> <laughs> he's like uh he's like uh he's like he's like a music producer and has worked in like the music industry for years but what he does now from like my limited kind of like exposure to him is that he'll go on stream or he twitch twitch stream or whatever and he'll kind of or interviews and he'll just tell people about like the brutal honesty like the brutal world of like the music industry and how like what it's like when you get signed to a label like what's actually happening in the background and he's like yeah you owe them like a ton of money and like you can't get out of it and it's kind of like be careful a lot of cautionary tales and stuff and it's like oh this is good to know like a lot of people don't talk about like the cautionary parts of like the art industry like don't do that do this like watch out for this like charge this don't charge that don't do this art test do this you know like all this kind of stuff and um I, I, I like I like Maché because he was always like, you know, he was photo bashing. He would do like now he's doing 3D, but like when he was photo bashing, I think he's like I think he was like yeah it's cheating, but so what? Like I don't care. Client doesn't care. I need to get this fucking concept done like yeah. today, so I don't have time to care about that stuff. And hearing that was just like oh thank God because like you're a student, you're also trying to like do what you can to make your artwork look good and you're like i have to do it this way i have to draw everything by myself and you think that because no one else is saying that you don't have to do that so like you think you have to draw everything because you simply can't comprehend the fact like there's other ways to do this because you only know like one amount you know like five percent of how to make artwork 
And then there's other people like, yeah, I'm using 3D, I'm using a photo, I'm bringing a photo into the 3D program and I'm doing all that stuff. It's like, I'm getting a screenshot of like a movie and I'm putting it in. And it's like, they're doing it in so many, like, you're like in the, I'm in, you know, I'm in the third dimension and, you know, Mache or like Craig Mullins are like in the seventh dimension with how they're making artwork. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't even know that was like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And yeah. as a student, when you hear somebody say like, yeah, photo bash, you can cheat, do it. And you're like, okay, I will. Like, it's fun that way. It's more fun when I do it that way. Yeah, I think yeah. The, good, the, the good thing now is I think the industry awareness as a whole has gone to a point where how you achieve the result really doesn't matter anymore. It's more about what is it that you're trying to say through that particular piece. And I guess it ties yeah. back quite well with the narrative aspect of the music album covers that you were talking about earlier. Um, just about that industry as a whole, I mean, how does one actually connect with these music labels and artists? Because Ooh. these people are so hard to reach out sometimes because everyone has this enigmatic personality online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like it, it's 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 an interesting world because like sometimes the artwork is made by like a freelance artist. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the artwork is made by just an agency that has a bunch of artwork artists. Uh, sometimes it's made by the label itself. Um, but what I did is I I what I did I don't know if it's like the way to do it now, but I, what I did I just like basically cold email. Is that a thing? I I would just email the A and R or whoever like whatever contact I can find on like LinkedIn or whatever, um, or like the graphic designer. Sometimes you go to the label, like mm -hmm. you can find on LinkedIn or something like who's the graphic designer or on Twitter or whatever. And you just DM them and say like, hey, I wanna make artwork for you guys. Like, here's my page or, you know, you don't, you don't wanna just spam your page, but I, I did it. That's how I did it. I would just email them and say like, hey, I, I love you guys' music. I'm a huge fan. Like. Can I make can I make work for you guys or like who makes your work like you guys deserve really good work and I feel like I can be the person you kind of have to sell yourself a little bit mm -hmm. but you also have to be real like I only reached out to labels that I actually liked I never really reached out to a label that I didn't know right. even if they were like bigger like I never reached out to any like massive labels that I didn't like their music um but that's how I did it I mean I feel like nowadays you can tag them, you know, like, I don't know if that, that's un unsolicited tags, if that's okay. Um, I think you can still reach out to them. You can like, you can find artists who've worked on, like if you see a cover artwork that you like, or it's for an artist that you like, you can reach out to them like, hey, who did your artwork? Reach out to the artist and be like, hey, how'd you get a job there? And then they'll tell you, or like, that guy, oh yeah, just reach out to this guy. And, and that's kind of like how I got closer to MonsterCat, I think like, they're, they've been like my largest client for uh, album artwork, but like, I first, I was doing artwork. I think once you start doing album artwork or specifically in the album, in, in the music scene, um, I feel, I think like really good album artwork is rare. Mm -hmm. Like it's just scarce. Like it's, there's not as much of it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good album artwork. Let me take that back. There's a lot of good art, album artwork, but like if you're doing it a different way or a way that's like connecting with audiences more or more inspirational or whatever, like in my case, that's what I was aiming for. Once you release that, it like ring, it like hits with the audience. The audience is like, I don't know what the song is going to be, but I like the artwork already. Like once you get that, that's when um, other artists see it they reach out to the artist. Let's say I do artwork for Pilot and then somebody reaches out to Pilot, yo, who did your artwork? And 
so I, I'm not really sure if I'm giving like good advice here because I'm kind of saying like, just make cool art, but, and I hate that answer usually, but yeah, don't, don't be afraid. Just reach out, just reach out, email them, email whoever you got to email. Just, you kind of have to be annoying a little bit. Um, reach out to the artist, reach out to the producer, to the uh, album art artist, to the label. Just, I just, I was just reaching out to them. I was emailing them. And sometimes they, you know, sometimes they'd be like, yeah, we're good. And I had a lot of, a lot of people like not respond and it's fine. Um, just, but, on, just on that subject, I mean, how sustainable is this line of work? Because freelance, freelance, and especially in the music industry, because like you said, some of the artists may not actually get back to you. Some labels may not respond. So how do you actually survive as an artist, especially early on when you're just starting to, you know, build your career? Uh, you don't. <laughs> it's hard. It's it's hard, man. You shit, man. It's that's like a, a question I can answer like in the nice way, or I can answer like in the brutally honest, like Mache Buchado way. But it's like you let's, don't let's do it brutally honest because that's <laughs> let's do it. Welcome, welcome to Art Cafe, guys. We're gonna talk about brutally honest art. Uh how fucking much it sucks to be a freelance artist. And then um, but no, dude, it was hard. And I think part of me. It can't like I feel like part of it's my fault because I kind of didn't know what I was doing or how to do it properly. And that's another one of those things where freelance artists don't talk about like how to like what you just asked, like how do you how do you make it sustainable? How do you make it work? And how do you make ends meet at the end of the day? Like what's going on in the background? Mm-hmm. Um and dude, it was hard. It was hard. I, I I recently I recently got like a regular job, like a studio job as an artist, but like I still freelance. And that freelancing is fun when you have like a, a regular kind of stable job because you have money coming in every two weeks or whatever, but then you can kind of freelance on the side and it's fun that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're freelancing full time, it can be really stressful. It's scary. There was like every, it was like constant anxiety about like, you know, it, it would kind of dwindle. Like the, the clients would stop reaching out. You're like, oh my God, like the people forget I exist. I got to quickly make something and post it to socials so people know I'm still out there. I'm still making artwork. Um, and then somebody finds like an album cover you did a year ago. And you're like, yo, dude, like make some illustrations for me. Like, oh, thank God. And then it's a hard place to be because if you're like desperate for money, you kind of might undersell yourself in order to like secure that job. True. And then it's it's just always a roller coaster. I to be honest, like, I don't know. I, I struggled freelancing like I did and it was hard and I never, I felt like I, I could never figure it out. And I would see like all these people traveling, you know, I mean, I had, I had a girlfriend who's like now my wife and I don't think she would have been okay with me to just traveling to like Singapore or to like Montreal or whatever to do some concept art for a thing for a while. I don't know. It just, I wasn't in that position. I was not able to travel as much. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that might have restricted me a little bit. And, but I don't know, man, it was, freelancing was definitely hard and it's super rewarding creatively. It's super fun. You get to work on like dream projects and stuff, but it's hard. I don't know. I, I, I did it for 10 years or something like that. And I still don't know, like, I mean, I think I know how to make a sustainable living out of it, but it's a lot, it's like three times more work than like what you think it is. 
yeah that's that seems to be a common piece of advice people generally tend to give out like it's going to be far more work than actually working in a studio where everything else is taken care of in terms of securing and, the work and payment and yeah and when i say work i don't mean just you're sitting at your computer working more i'm saying you're going to conventions mm-hmm. you're going to 24 conventions a year and you're like selling your artwork you're flying out to conventions you're going to conventions all along like in your nearby cities but you're also going to the big conventions comic con san diego all that kind of stuff you're going there you're traveling with your artwork like you have somebody with you and you're standing there for 8 hours a day or 4 days and you're selling your artwork then you go to the next thing then you go to the next thing like you're touring selling your artwork you're also running an online store you're also running like a patreon you're also twitch streaming like you're doing three or four jobs to like to have like and i mean if you want to make a comfortable like living freelancing if you want to make more money you got to do more of that you got to you then you got to start including other people in your hustle you got to start like hiring an assistant or you got to hire like another artist or contract another artist then you're practically like a businessman at that mm-hmm. point and it it's it's like yeah you're still freelancing but also it's a lot of fucking work i think ross draws is a great example of someone who's been able to do all these different facets of a mm. freelance career and really maximize on it in a very big manner yeah i remember watching his i haven't watched i haven't kept up on him recently but i know he's huge i'm sure i know he's got like a million subscribers and stuff i know he's huge but when i was when i started watching him he was new and he was like oh i wanted to work at disney but like i couldn't so now i'm just going to do my own thing and he was living in la and he was like making cool content it was different so obviously he stuck out um even if like the techniques he was using were not like the most advanced or whatever yeah i mean ross ross is definitely and you you you'll see that every once in a while you'll see an artist who goes from like being really small to being massive being sponsored by wacom and doing all this stuff mm-hmm. and like that is a that is something you could hope for like having businesses and sponsors and stuff carry you that'll help you a lot but um <laughs> i mean from my perspective i'm like how do i I'm like wondering like how do I even reach out to Wacom to have them fly me out to some event to draw like how do I even do that like who do, who do, wacom.com like find contact just go to their the help desk or whatever like I'm going to reach the totally wrong person and like hey I want to draw can you guys pay me to draw like I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to do any of that and uh I guess you kind of hope that in the middle of your massive hustle and trying to make everything work and all the pieces all the spinning plates uh somebody you hope that somebody reaches out to you and say hey we like what you're doing like we want to you know pay you for it i've never been sponsored so i have no idea like what that's like hmm i guess i mean from what i've seen people who do end up getting sponsored by these companies tend to have like a very very recognizable style or something that's quite yeah. unique to them um yeah, just getting a bit more side. granular about the pricing of these album covers itself i mean how do you exactly go about charging is that something split up over a series of payments or do you take like an upfront payment before the work is done yeah and like i said i've been doing albums for a while so my way of working my way of charging also has evolved mm-hmm. uh it used when i was freelancing full time it would at some point it was like i need to make this much money this month so it's going to be whatever it takes to get that much money and sometimes i'll charge high sometimes i'll charge low mm-hmm. depending on like how urgently i need to get paid or how much or how urgently i need like a certain amount of money um but 
that's one thing I've never like even figured out for myself is like how to charge properly. Like some people have it figured out, you know, in some Excel spreadsheet where they have like some calculators and stuff, but I, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if the way I do it is like the best way, but I'd always do it just based on how much I want to work on the project mm -hmm. and how badly I need the money. Um, you know, if it's a project, if it's an artist that I always wanted to work with and it sounds like super fun, then, you know, I'll, I'll say like, here's my rate, I don't know, like $300 or something. And then they're like, well, my budget's 250. I'm like, all right, I'll take 250. Like, I want to work with you. Like, I love your music. I want to be, I love, like, I'm a fan. So if I can be associated, like that's, 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 that's going to feel good. Um, and then I can, you know, show my friends and like, oh, look at this. I work with this guy. I like know him. It's like, it's cool. I'm like being a little fangirl, but um, in terms of pricing, it really just depends on your situation, mm -hmm. like what you care more about. Um, if you are making a comfortable living, charging what you're charging, then do that. If you're, if you want to charge more, like obviously you can ask, you can start asking for more. I used to, I used to always ask the client, like, what's your budget? And then they'd be like, inexperienced you know i prefer i pretend to be a professional like oh yes what's your budget and they're also pretending to be professional and it's just both of us like behind the keyboard like it's not like a team they're like oh yes let me ask my financial manager about what our budget is and it's just some dude like um and i'll ask their budget and they're like i don't know i'm like okay uh and like the only reason i'm asking what's their budget is because i watched them talk where some professionals were like you have to ask for the budget and you have to ask for the roi or whatever and I, I, I'd be like, what's your budget? And they'd be like, I don't know, I don't have one. I'm like, no way you don't have a budget because it means you have unlimited money. I'm like, okay, well, how about, how about this? And I've had projects where I undercharged and I'm like, shit, I should have charged more. I could have totally charged more. Like that one guy who said, I'm surprised you're, <laughs> this is lower than I expected. Uh, and then sometimes I go high and then they're like, that's too high. Um, there's also been projects where I'm like, I think it's worth this much. Like if I do the math, it's going to be this much. And they're like, that's too much. I'm like, okay, well, what can we do? What can we do? And sometimes the clients will be like, well, we can give you like a percentage of sales. Like they'll kind of like be a little bit more helpful. So don't be afraid to overcharge. Like I've never, in my experience, overcharging initially has never really like gotten people to stop talking to me. There's, they're never like, oh no, no, like screw you. Like I'm not, I don't like that. They've usually just been like, nah, I can't do that right now. And if you can afford to say no to that, you can be like, okay, cool. Like, well, I hope I still hope I get to work with you, but like, sorry, it's not gonna work out this time. And uh, that's it. Or they'll say like, no, nah, I can't do that. And then if you will, if you need money or if you really want to work on it, you can just go lower and just, just kind of like eat the cost a little bit and uh, take it. So it really depends on your situation. Depends on how badly you need money. Depends on like how much you want to work on the project. Um, yeah, I, I I would not shame like anyone for charging less. Uh, I used to go to these talks where people would say like there'll be like professional artists who who like run a company, run a studio. They'd be like, "Don't undercharge. You're making it. You're lowering the rate for everyone else." And I'm like, "Dude, there's artists all over the world. Like if you if you if you." If you charge too much, you're just gonna find somebody literally in another country like that wants to do it. Yeah. Like there's so many artists everywhere, it's fine. And like in the US, like you know, currency conversion, like it, it could be cheaper to go with somebody with another country, and it's and it's fine. So it's like 
it's like a weird thing for a massive professional artist who has like money and who's good to tell you to sacrifice like a project that you might be getting that you might be getting paid for for the sanctity of like freelancing or whatever the hell and just like no dude just just take what you take and you know move on and now you have a new piece and you got a little bit of money like it helps you know just keep going yeah that's a great point i mean nobody wants to undercharge nobody wants to earn less everyone wants more money as an artist i mean as professionals in general so i find it a bit disingenuous like you said when some of these really big names who have that financial security already talk about the so called industry rate <laughs> and stuff like that it's yeah. it's very easy to say from that position compared to somebody who's you know trying to support like a family in a different country you just know yeah. don't know the reality of other people yeah man and i i have friends like i have a friend a best a, a good friend who is an amazing artist who literally was like i reached out to him not long ago I was like yo man you still making art he's like no i stopped making art like i i just have a regular job now i'm like really dude your work was so good it was i was like i wanted i wanted to learn from you your work was so good He's like, yeah, I just wasn't able to make enough. I wasn't able to, it's, it's expensive in the city I live. It's, it was, I wasn't able to make just as much as I needed. And it was like putting a strain on like my relationships and stuff. I was like, dude, that sucks. Like, I, and I wanted to like, I wanted to, I wanted to help him. And I wanted to like reach out to these clients, do this and that. I, I was like, it was like, it was like, it was like, a, it was like almost like somebody passing away. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's how, that's how I felt. It was like the passing away of a potential like artist. Like that's how an artist dies. It's like yeah. a star collapses. It's like an artist dies just by like slowly like fading away and they don't make our, our art anymore. Um, and it's kind of like, you see that and you're like, damn dude, like on one hand, I get it. Like I 100% understand your situation. And I, sometimes I've thought about maybe stop doing the whole freelance thing, just get a regular job. And I've had regular jobs while freelancing. And sometimes I'd have a regular job and not freelance at all. And it's like, you see the money coming in and you're like, this is more money than I've like ever made freelancing. What the fuck is going on? Um, but yeah, man. Um, I think there seems to be like this tough. almost romantic allure towards freelancing. Oh, yeah. You know, where, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I almost feel like sometimes students look down upon artists who might be working in a studio, not realizing that some of the best artists in the world are working in studios. There's nothing wrong in working in studios. And yeah, I mean, different people have different situations which might force them to be in a studio or be freelancing. So I think it's more important to build up your financial base to the point where then you can take risks when you have the yes. to do so. So I actually, I, I just made a video. I'm going to plug TikTok because I just, I, I have an account on there and I, I started like posting, mm. but I just, I just made a video on there. It, it, I'm getting like no engagement. It's fine. Like, but I'm hoping to like, cause I, I want to talk about more. I want to talk more about this kind of stuff, but I talked about how, like, one of the things I found out through my art career and, you know, it came from going to these conventions and talking to artists like face to face. I would just look at an artist cause I'm like, barely getting by my my girlfriend my wife is like you know my girlfriend at the time wife now she's she has a job and she's helping like we're living together and she's she's making way more money than me just having a regular job i'm like struggling freelancing i'm getting like no sleep i have like an awful sleep schedule i'm just trying to make it work and then i go to these conventions and i come up to somebody and i'm like 
here's so this i would talk to them i wouldn't be like a weirdo i would talk to them get to know them a little bit talk about their artwork yada yada but then eventually i'd be like do you mind me asking like how do you like how do you make a living like just selling like prints because that's all you get presented you get presented with somebody who just like you you follow somebody on socials like all you see is them posting artwork them drawing they have art books and stuff you're like oh sick like they're doing the thing but then that you assume that's all they do you don't assume that they have a life like outside of that because that's all you see so i'd ask these people at conventions and i'd be like how do you make a living like how do you survive doing this like i think it's really hard and they're like oh i my wife she has a fucking sick job like oh yeah yeah no this is no my wife makes way more than me i that's what allows me to like do this i'm like oh my god and i learned that like six years into freelancing like, oh <laughs> Oh, everyone else has like a second job that they're not talking about. Or like everyone else has like a significant other that has a job that is allowing them to like take these insane risks mm -hmm. and somehow, you know, and, and not burn out because they're like, don't burn yourself out. And it's like, how I'm trying, I'm barely making like 20 grand a year. Like, how do I not burn myself out? And then they're like, oh yeah, like just, you know, link up with somebody who can pay for rent and then you can just pay for the internet or something. And it's like, that was one of those things where like, you, you know what I mean? Like, no, you don't hear artists going like, oh yeah, I have a second job, like where yeah. I don't do art. And I just, and I make more money doing that. You'll never hear them say that. Or you'll never hear them say like, I have a, my wife or my husband like makes the, the most of the income and I'm just over here like doodling around. It's it just like, I feel like kills the romance. It kills the romance of like this passionate artist with the sunbeams coming in through into their studio and they're like frantically working and everyone loves them and everyone is they're getting followers every day and they're getting comments every day they're getting offers in the email like please fly out we want to hire you you're the best yeah man i don't think i don't think that that never happened to me <laughs> yeah i mean i would say it's important to understand the realities like it can go extremely well and it can go extremely yeah. bad as well you need to be aware of the realities of the industry you shouldn't be in like, I mean, you shouldn't be in this dreamland and just look at everything with rose-colored glasses. You should be aware of what's happening. And I think yeah. it's quite clear at this point, like if you show good skill and you connect with the right people, I think that's also quite important. Then you will make a very, very good living and you'll do well. I think people underestimate the making connections and networking aspect of this industry quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, I, I think, getting to know and, and just being friendly and cool um that's 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 one thing that has helped me and sometimes like has not helped me at all mm -hmm. so like the worst thing that can happen is that you'll just make a best friend like even if it's not like art related you'll just be friends with somebody cool and like the best thing that can happen is that they'll be attached to some massive project and they'll want to bring you on. Mm -hmm. And I've actually, and I've had people say like, yo, when this thing goes off the ground, it's going to be, it's going to be a movie. Like I'm going to bring you on as art director. I'm like, sweet, can't wait. And like never happens. <laughs> or like, I'll do concept art for some like unknown, like con I'll do some early concept art for a movie. They'll send me a script. I'm like, oh my God, this is legit. Mm -hmm. And then it'll just be like, like, oh yeah, like that never turned into anything. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So I've definitely gotten my hopes up on stuff where people are like, yo, we're going to make this into a music video. It's going to be sick. Like, I'm going to go on tour. I'm going to take you. Like, that would be amazing. And then it's like, it just doesn't happen. Or then it's COVID or there's a pandemic or whatever. And it's just like, oh, okay. And so, but like, again, like I said, like the worst thing that comes out of that is like you make, you make cool friends and you have a, 
of you have a good friend like, mm. nothing wrong with that at this point do you find yourself getting messages by students and upcoming artists you know trying to understand your perspective on the industry uh i don't think i've gotten a couple messages but people from like the school i went to mm-hmm. cuz like at when i was going to the school they were like reach out to alumni and like send them an email and stuff and i i i've gotten a couple emails from like students that go to the school that i've got that i've gone to uh excuse me and they'll but it'll feel like it's an assignment it won't be like you'll be like hello sir like i have to reach out to an artist so i just chose you mm-hmm. uh and I'd be like, okay, like, I don't know what you want. Um, they're just literally reaching out because it's part of the assignment. They don't actually like have a question. They're just like, oh, I just have to do this to get my grade. I'm like, okay, cool. Delete me from your inbox. Um, but like, yeah, I don't, I, here's the thing is like, obviously I have a lot of like opinions and things to say, but these end up just being with like, you know people like you or like just this other artists like at a bar after some convention or whatever like mm-hmm. we'll just bitch about art but it i'm not really like making content and I, I feel like people just don't know like that i have like stuff to offer or like opinions to offer but so so, so i don't really make videos about that kind of stuff and i think that's why I, like nobody just like nobody really knows who i am nobody knows i exist like in the art community there's like way bigger people who are like way more opinionated who have like way bigger platforms and then you know you see like art cafe you're like oh shit i'm gonna reach out to this guy and have a conversation with him because he's like showing you that he's got opinions and that he's got thoughts and stuff but yeah i, I think you know i just don't put it out there yeah I just never don't really get an opportunity to so yeah that's a good point i mean you need to also show that you do want to share a certain amount of knowledge and that's quite important as well yeah i think as you get older as like an artist i feel like as you get older as a person you care less about like what is going on or like the way to do things and the right and wrong way of doing things mm-hmm. like you just like hey this is how i do it whatever like no shame and then as an artist i feel like that's like reflected in your personality as an artist you're like as you grow up you're like yeah whatever i photo bash who cares but when you're like in a, in school you're like oh my god no one can ever know i photo bash <laughs> like they have to think i do everything from scratch right and as you get older like and i i feel like again like i mentioned manche but like maybe that's where that's where he's coming from he's like bro i made it like i'm good like i'm safe i've got my friends i've got my art career it's all in order i've got my family like i don't need anyone's approval mm-hmm. i'm just going to tell you like this is how it is and like i don't care yeah i mean just on the subject of like doing what you enjoy i wanted to talk a bit deeper in terms of the return music video what Ooh. are the kind of conversations that you have with them in this case when you're developing a project like this from start because you pretty much did the entire music video by yourself so <laughs> there is a lot of responsibility yeah. in there ah so again this is like going into like the 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 sausage factory to see how the sausage is made but there i i think the way that i'm not an animator mm-hmm. like in a traditional sense i don't make storyboards i don't do any of that i just have an idea and i'm like and it and the scope grows until it's like just un, uncontrollable and then like now you have to commit and that's kind of like what happened with that video it was like i don't remember if the initial idea uh, at the, the 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 initial idea was to make a music video but it was literally for like a 5 second loop okay and and tim was like it's just going to loop for like 3 minutes or whatever i'm like yeah but like 
but like nah you don't want that like you want something you want something cool and like this has to be huge and it was literally like his return from like taking on like working on a lot of stuff so he wasn't releasing stuff for a while but he was working and then this was the first like release in a long time mm -hmm. and he's like maybe it's time for a rebrand like i don't know and i'm like yeah man i mean we can do whatever like the world is your oyster like we can we can do whatever we want um just let's just start talking and it started out as the idea was to just make a i don't even know what the loop was going to be up like maybe the bike or something but then i was getting i was getting more comfortable with 3d like i was making 3d still renders no animations nothing like that but i just you know like scope grows because you're like there's unlimited time essentially and we were just going to share like whatever profits we made off of it like so like money wasn't really an issue and also because there was a lot of time it was just like do it work on it whenever you have time like mm -hmm. don't have to like don't kill yourself working on this and um so it just evolved from there like i would i would do it i i think i did a test render and i i can show you some of this stuff like after the call but like yeah. i did i did a test render of like we, we bought the bike we were like what bike would you ride and then that was kind of like when we were like all right cool it'd be like this ducati or whatever we we bought i purchased like a bike a 3d bike uh it was like textured and everything then i went into blender and started like cutting things up boolean things to make it look cool i was looking at a lot of like ghost in the shell concept art and like ashthorpe and all that stuff and um so then we made the bike and then we made uh a figure from I think it was like Fuse or something. Like Adobe had this program that was in beta. They don't have it anymore. No, Fuse is defunct at this point. It was, I'm so glad I got to use it before they ended it. But we made basically the pilot like character. It's just a, a dude in like leather, everything. Uh, we got a helmet, we bought a helmet model. Oh, sorry. We bought the helmet model first. Mm -hmm. And I just brought it into Blender, Eevee with the bloom. I bought, a, I put a bunch of like uh, lights above the helmet. So it, it gets these like beautiful, like neon rays across like the glass, uh, across the visor. And I sent it to Tim and he was like, oh my God, that looks amazing. Cause it was not anything 2D. It wasn't Photoshop, it was just 3D. Mm -hmm. It was just the helmet with these like lights kind of passing as if you're driving like on the street. And it was like, and he's, Tim is like a huge anime fan. Mm -hmm. So the bloom, everything, it looked like anime. It looked like it looked like a Gundam like being revealed or whatever. And I was like, oh dude, you're right. It looks so sick. And we were just like nerding out over just this one little animation. He's like, okay, there has to be a helmet, da da da. And we just started going from there. And then that evolved into the bike, into the figure, and then the figure like wearing the helmet, just like on the bike. And I was doing renders. I, I would do a screen share on like Discord. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just showing him my my the the blender window, and I was like moving the camera around in EV, so it was like rendering flawlessly. And just like because the the pilot artwork is like dark with lights, it was really easy to like hide a lot of stuff in the shadows. So you would just get a wet ground, super shiny like bike that's wet, and put in like a blue light and then like a pink light on either side. And move the camera around. And you're like, oh my god! Like pilot is real. Like he's right. He's right here. He's here now. And uh, we that led into all right. Let's like animate it somehow. Let's let's have him like drive by the camera on a road. So I did that. I had had a stationary camera. I made like a, a really simple environment, and they just have him like whiz by in EV with like fog and stuff, and it looked beautiful. And you have like it was motion blur and everything. 
And I was like, oh my God, it looks so good. And then I did this one specific animation where the camera is kind of like following him on a bike and it's like just like to his side. Mm -hmm. And I did this really simple animation where I, I made his head like turn and look at the camera and then look back and then like fly by the camera. Nice. Like fly off off scene. And like, I think that was another moment where we're like, oh my God, that's amazing. He's like looking at me. It's real. It's fucking real. Uh, and we were just like, again, like, nerding out like orgasming everywhere about like how good it looked about how awesome it was and it was just like more inspiration more inspiration building that fire uh and it was just like oh my god like where where what can we do more mm -hmm. so i i did i would do the scene then i would say like all right sweet he would send me the song and say like all right so i think just that would be a perfect loop i'm like no i'm not gonna give you a loop dude like it has to be more so it just gradually we added like another scene and like what would be another shot that would be cool and they're like oh what if we had the camera like on the ground and like the bike like drives right by the camera and the camera shakes and it's all epic and we did that and i mean obviously once we knew what we wanted and once we had the shots a lot of the time was spent on me like tim was like dude that looks fine that's beautiful like that's good it's done i'm like nah dude like there's no motion below on the ground like you can see the texture is repeating like it looks like ass He's like, what? I didn't even notice that. Like, it's fine. And there's a lot of like, like that kind of pushing and pulling where he's like, dude, it's fine. And I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, you're right. No one's going to notice that. Like, yeah, at a certain point, you need to you... end the project. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no, there's no point that you, when you finish it. Yeah. And, you know, there was some, I would send him test footage of like in Eevee with fog. And Eevee is beautiful in, uh, with fog and, and volume. But cycles is just, uh, it'll just destroy your computer if you try to render something with fog. Yeah. So we really wanted the scene in fog, this one scene where he's like, sorry, driving. And then we're just like, I, I'm just like, I can't on my graphics card. Like, it's going to take literally like seven months if I want to <laughs> render the scene. It's going to take too long. He's like, all right, then, then fuck the fog. Like, we won't do the fog. But I'm like, but I, I really want the fog. Like, maybe we can use a render farm. So we went to a render farm. Like, we both paid, like, the, the money for rendering certain scenes. And that was a whole learning process. There's a lot of stuff that, like, I couldn't use and it got botched. And then there was a lot of stuff that worked out. So it's like, all right, well, I can use this. I can work with this. Um, you know, I, I, I started, I was like, do I need to learn about, like, Z-depth passes? Like, what the fuck is that? Like, what is a depth pass? How do I get that? Uh, do I need to learn Houdini? Like I was in this place where I was like frantic. I really wanted to get the results, but I was so limited. Um, and luckily Tim was like, man, it looks fine. Like you're good. Like just, it, it looks beautiful. So that, that's kind of like where I feel like I, some, in some ways I didn't get the results I wanted to. And I bet if I did it now, it would look exactly, or it would look better in my opinion. It always will look better when you make your, when you remake your stuff, but yeah, it, and then I brought a lot of that in into After Effects and then edited it together. Okay. Added like the there's like one scene where it's like a mosaic kind of like a kaleidoscope effect that was just edited like on the fly. Like we had scenes and I had and he sent me the song early, so I was able to to kind of plan out certain scenes to how I wanted like on this on this part like when when the beat comes in it'll be perfect for this scene. I see. So like the scenes were kind of, and the music was kind of built separately, but we were always talking. We were, I was always sending him stuff. And I'm not sure if he wrote some parts of the music to what he was expecting out of the animation. Um, but I definitely, we definitely made it work like collaboratively. 
And then at the very end, once I got all the footage out, I was like editing it at After Effects and then every once in a while, I'm like, this scene needs to be a little bit longer. Let me go back into Blender, export like a little bit longer scene, bring it in. And that animation now is like, this got EV shots, it's got cycles shots, it's uh, some stuff made completely up in After Effects. So it's a little bit of everything. And it was a little bit of like a hectic process that it was not like storyboard, script, like sketches, all the stuff, it was none of that. It was just like making stuff up as we went. And uh, yeah, at the, at the end, uh, you know, I was just watching it in my office, like with the lights off in my in my room, just sitting in front of the computer, like with my arms crossed, full screen, lights all the way off. It had to be pitch black because I had to be like immersed. And then with headphones on, and I would just play it. And yeah, and, and if I felt like, yeah, if I was getting goosebumps, like with the music, right when the music hits, right when the animation stuff happens, and I'm like, all right, this is when the music slows down. So we have to make the animation kind of slow down. This is when the music like builds up and hits. So we gotta really make it like build up and hit in the animation. And yeah, basically if, if Tim and I were like nerding out and, and just and, and loving it, then we were like, this is good enough. No, it came out absolutely brilliantly because I remember sharing it with a couple of my friends who aren't in the entertainment industry, so to speak, and they really enjoyed it. So I think that's oh. always a good marker whether yeah. people not, not in the industry are enjoying the work or not. Dude. So yeah, great job. Yeah, I was I, I was I, I was really happy with it, and I'm I'm still super proud of it. And I I don't tell enough people that I that I that, that I've done that like. I do 3D artwork. I don't really do any and that many 3D animations. And I feel like there's a lot of people who don't know that I worked on that. And and like and all the people that need to know know. But like obviously there's like I'll meet new people and I'll just forget to mention it. But it was a it was a huge task and it was probably one of like my biggest projects in like recent years. And so after that, did other awesome. musicians reach out to you to make similar music videos? Uh actually, yeah. So and that's what's funny is like is is you'll kind of realize the you'll you'll kind of realize like the lack of kind of like understanding about certain things from clients that reach out to you like oh you did this thing you do it for me i'll give you like 100 bucks you're like dude no <laughs> like that's not how, there's no way ever that's how that's not how it works so i've had people reach out and like oh can you do an animation for me similar to that return video and i'm like and so because the return video was such a unique, it was like a learning experience. It was a collaborative effort. It was a very, I have a very special relationship with uh, with Pilot and how I develop my art style. Like we've been working for a long time. So I can't, I don't know how to put a price on something like that because it was so unique. But if I just do the math of like, oh, it took me like three months to work on that. Like, how do I, I, I don't know, like eight hours a day, like $30 an hour. I don't know, just something random it's going to be like thousands of dollars. And then, so then I know if I, if some small time music producers, like, Hey, can you make an animation for me? Like three minutes or whatever, like that. I'm like, it's going to be like $10,000. I don't know. Like, I don't know how to charge for that. So I, I, that I have had people reach out to me, but again, I'm like kind of inexperienced in the, like, like you made a short film, mm -hmm. but that was like, all yours like you didn't get paid for that right no 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 that was a post so project. so if i was like yo i like that uh i like that animation you did can you do one for me like how would you even begin to you'd have to do you know yeah i how mean uh, into uh, and that's something that, that i mean we've been thinking about as well i mean if, if if somebody actually reaches out to make something 
of that length or of that level of detail. I guess some of the things that need to be taken into consideration are how many people are involved in the project to begin with. Mm. I mean, because I, I don't know every aspect of that project. There are different friends of mine who helped with various aspects. So first of all, you need oh. to, I mean, you need to firstly pay people if it's a commercial project. So what yeah. are they going to charge? Then what's the length going to be like? What What is it for? Is it like for a music video? Is it a trailer for a game? What, what is it actually going to be like? So, so many factors come into play. What is the deadline? Yeah. And that, I think that's one thing that I, I think after freelancing for a while, one thing I've found myself in a position where I'm like, oh yeah, I can ask for this. I can, I can, I can put a requirement on the types of work I take, which is like, I'll ask the client, like, can I do whatever I want? Mm -hmm. And if they like your work, like if, you know, they're like, oh yeah, you make six synth wave artwork. Like I want you to make something for me. And if they don't have an idea and you're just like, so I'll charge you like 300 to do what you want and like 200 to do whatever I want. And then they're like, okay, all right. I like your stuff. So like, and they kind of want you to have that creative freedom. They, they, they think like, and you usually will come up with something totally new, something you haven't made before. Yeah. And the quality is there because it's like, you know, you're experienced. And sometimes I've done that on projects and then I end up just making like whatever I, fuck I want and I want it to look awesome. And they are happy that it looks awesome and it's new. It's unique. It's like, I'm exploring my skills. I'm growing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I get paid a little less, but at least I got to like do whatever I want. And, and what's nice about that is they can't really like the client can't just be like, yeah, change that because it's like, this is it. Like it's, it's pretty much done. Like this is the final thing. And then they're like sick. Like, you know, you're not going to be weird on purpose. You're not going to try to trick them. Yeah. You're still going to make something cool. But those are the projects that I, I'm finding that I'm, I'm able to get those or I'm able like, maybe because I have experience or I have like a portfolio. I, that's a really fun place to be when somebody's just like, do it. Cause that's what you did for your animation, right? You did whatever you wanted to do. You didn't have to like explain it to anyone. You didn't have to justify like this shot, this thing, this model. You didn't have to justify that. You're like, this is what I want to make. And I don't have to make any reasons for it. Like I just, this is what I feel. Yeah. And if a client was like, Hey, We'll basically just, what do you want? What's your next animation that you want to make? We want to pay for that. And we want it to be ours or we want, to, we want you to make it for us. We'll take it, whatever it is. And you're like, yeah, fucking hey, 5,000. I don't know, like whatever. Like how much does it cost for me to do whatever I want? Not, if, if there's, a, there's a price for doing something for somebody else that you don't really care about yeah. versus something that they want you to make that they just want to be a part of. It's like, it's a different price. I would even, I mean, go as far as to say something that you really want to do could be charged at a higher point because it's more valuable to you. That's true. You could potentially make more use out of that in your own career. Yeah, yeah. You, you, there's a risk of like, you're giving them some part of your own like idea that you haven't like figured out yet. Like, oh, this could be a futuristic, this could be another idea that evolves into this, but now I'm giving a, a, a part of that. Exactly. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I, I guess you could just, um, well, I guess what I meant is more like you you experiment like through technique, hmm. maybe narratively, you don't, you're not giving anything away narratively, or like if you have a narrative, like a story in your mind, you're like, you're not, you're not touching that. But you're like, I always wanted to learn like, you know, After Effects, I wanted to learn whatever. And you're going to use that in the process. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I just want to touch upon two more points. One is, I mean, for the 
artists and students who are getting into the industry now when they look at your work like we discussed at the beginning there's like a whole bunch of different things that are happening mm. and i think as students especially there is this tendency to experiment and try out a whole bunch of things and you almost end up not getting jobs because you're not an expert at any one thing so what advice would you give them at that in their position like how do they approach that um what advice would i give to a student is are you saying like what advice would i give to a student that's also like doesn't have a style or is, is experimenting with work yeah i mean i mean don't i mean like if you're a student you're probably like in school or you're learning but i mean just i would say keep experimenting like but i i personally didn't experiment too much i didn't i didn't really learn like 3d until like much later um i would say i would say i would say this i would say try to make you can have different types of artworks and different experiments but for me personally like what i would say i was like i would say try to make sense of them try to like connect them somehow yeah like at least that way you try to pretend that all of these things are part of the same world and then so this plus this plus this plus this equals what like let's say it's all in the same universe it's all in the same like on the same planet now like what that that might help you inspire something that might help like inspire some of the next image that's kind of like a combination of all the past stuff you've done. So definitely experiment, definitely try new techniques, definitely try new stuff, new approaches. But now let's pretend all of that stuff is in the same universe. So like, what's the next image going to look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good piece of advice. I think it also allows potential clients to see that this artist has the ability to focus on a particular IP and, you know, spend the time to develop it really because I think that's an important quality to have the ability to refine a particular idea to a higher level rather than jumping from one point to the other without really solving all the problems. Yeah, or you know, you can go back to a sketch you did or something you did and do it in a new way. Like I I I've been taking a lot of my 2D artwork and then trying to make it in 3D. Mm -hmm. Like the same same angle, same colors, same everything. And it's just naturally going to have a different uh, result but it's kind of the same idea and it, it and, and then now you're thinking like oh when i did it in 2d i didn't imagine past the border like past the composition i didn't imagine what was out there but then you make it in 3d you're like oh there can be more going on outside of like the sketch that i did that i didn't even think about and that's super fun yeah that's 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 a great observation and i think actually when i was talking to stefan in one of the earlier conversations he mentioned the same thing where these master art artists in these anime studios would essentially have the same mindset of drawing outside the frame to make the world feel more believable mm -hmm. because they are adding these tiny details which may or may not end up in the frame but it's there yeah. it's part of the composition yeah yeah meanwhile me and you are making animations where if the camera moves like two degrees to the left you see like all these disgusting textures that like didn't make it in <laughs> true that's why they are the don't look at that just blur it out Oh, man. But yeah, I mean, this has been a really fun conversation, Mike. I, we've been going for like one and a half hours, so time's really flown by. Nice. Quickly. That's a good amount. Um, just a last question for you, and this is how I generally like to end the conversations. Where do you see your career over the next 10, 15 years? Do you even oh think God. that far ahead? Um, 10 to 15? 
I'm going to be 45 years old by then. Jesus. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, what art is going to look like. I mean, there's people like Jama Jurbev or like do making art and like VR. And I don't know, dude, like there's, I don't know. I, I guess I hope I still have the job that I have now. And I hope that I'm still able to get cool freelance gigs every once in a while. It'd be cool. I, I, I do have like large goals. Like it'd be cool to like make another animation mm-hmm. or it'd be cool to like make a short film or whatever. Like the stuff that Ash has made for like Ghost in the Shell and Akira, like it'd be cool to make something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always thought about it. It'd be cool to work on like a small like animation, kind of like how you did with your friends. Exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. I would love to do something like that and just really make something that's, emotional and impact like like i said we i watched all those like christopher nolan movies and Hans zimmer and everything and you feel like so emotional and so you're like oh my god it's like great it's inspiring like now i want to go home and make something exactly like this like right now i want to do that i want to make that for somebody else uh yeah i think i think i'm thinking only like five years Mm -hmm. maximum I, i can't think beyond that but uh it would be cool to make like a short film and I've thought about it like I haven't talked to anyone about it but it'd be cool to like you know I have connections in music industry it'd be cool to like tap into those or be like yo can you make a score for this like and then do the thing that I like doing or that I like getting I'll make like a scene or the movie or whatever and then I give it to a, a favorite musician of artist of mine and say like just make whatever you want make whatever music you think with it like I'm not gonna tell you what to do do whatever you want and then just see how that turns out. And that'd be awesome. I'd like to do something like that. That sounds great. Yeah. I got to I gotta tap into you because you've made an animation already. You got all these damn awards and stuff. So I got to <laughs> see like what that process is like. Yeah, just the beginning for me as well, man. I mean, now I'm just going deeper into the next short film. But yeah, it's a fun process. So I'm really curious to see what you come up with. Yeah, and I saw your post. You posted like a, a, a thing of a script. I was like, okay, this guy's already like 10 times more professional than me. He's got a screenplay. Like, what is this? I don't even know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do any of this. I'm never going never gonna to be able to reach these levels. No, I mean, to be quite honest, it was just like learning the pitfalls and the mistakes from the previous project and seeing how the next one can be improved because the first film didn't have any screenplay or a script. It was literally <laughs> just a bunch of words nice. on a couple of pages of paper and then it went into the storyboard yeah. so then this time i wanted to make sure i follow a bit more of a procedure and that's how the script came nice. out but yeah dude that's awesome uh you gotta i'll show you stuff from like the return and you gotta show me like back behind the scenes and like some of the blender viewport stuff because i'm super curious about what's like 3d what's how some stuff has some uh, something on yeah, yeah, yeah i will uh, we should definitely do another call separately and then we can yes go deeper into these things yes all right, man. Um, it's been a great conversation. This is the first time that we were actually having a proper conversation, and it's been like yeah. really fun. So, oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you.